to the Real Rural Women's Leadership podcast series. This project is funded through the Department of Agriculture, Water and Environment. It is led by Care Ballon in St. George, Ballon Shire in southwest Queensland in conjunction with a team of researchers led by Dr. Sarah Casey at the University of the Sunshine Coast. The team includes Dr. Gail Crimmins, Dr. Saskia de Klerk and Dr. Karen Hands alongside Professor Jackie Hewitt from Griffith University. This podcast series is about building women's capacity, empowerment, strategic communication, and business leadership skills. This series is eclectic. We interview community and business leaders, entrepreneurs, academics, communication and media experts, an empowerment and confidence leader, and CEOs, the agitators and the advocates. Our hope is that this series might act as an inspiration and information toolkit for others. You can find more information about our project at www.realruralwomensleadership.com. All episodes contain show notes about the guests with links to their stories. So settle in and enjoy the series as together we chat with these remarkable women. Hello, my name is Dr. Karen Hands and I'm a researcher at the University of the Sunshine Coast. My background is in the arts and creative industries, where among many other things, I frequently toured throughout regional Queensland with events and productions. In the arts and creative industries, we utilise what we have at hand to create new, meaningful products and experiences. So being able to interview women for this podcast who had similarly carved out livelihoods from an idea and the resources available to them was a very important aspect of being involved in this project for me. These stories are inspiring and provide aspiring businesswomen and women leaders with a rich toolkit of strategies and experiences to draw from. Emily Watts is the 22-year-old behind Catlock Goat Stud, a venture currently working on crossbreeding goats for the Western Queensland condition. At the time of our podcast, Emily is studying a Diploma of Agribusiness at the Marcus Oldham College in Geelong, where she's advancing her knowledge of animal fertility and optimal growth and learning the business skills to support a dynamic, growing industry. Emily is also the power behind Catlock Goatstuff's Facebook page, which uses beautiful photography, updates on sales, and a little bit of motivation to provide an insight into stud life and build the profile of the Australian goat industry. Hi, Emily. Thanks for joining us today. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi, Karen. So I have grown up at Deer and Bandy, halfway between Deer and Bandy and Lawn. We have two places, and within those operations, we have trade cattle, a commercial goat enterprise, and a stud enterprise, and uh, dry land farming. And yeah, I've I've grown up on land all my life. Been very privileged and very lucky. I went to boarding school in Brisbane. And I've had six years out of school now and I've just, yeah, recently undertaken some study at Marcus Oldham doing agribusiness this year. So it's pretty exciting. Amazing. So why did you decide to go to Marcus Oldham? I suppose, Karen, when I left school, I had a year at home working for the family business and then I moved into the Gulf where I worked for a larger sort of commercial cattle operation. So I saw the commercial side and then I went into a stud operation, which was an hour north of Cronkurry for a great family who have really shaped a lot of what I am today. And, and then I had 
did that for two years and then I worked at home last year. And then I just felt that having five years of quite practical experience, I really wanted to delve into the business and financial side of, of it. I think I felt I really lacked that and I felt that I really needed that to improve my skill set and to really sort of bring back to the family business and improve it. So, yeah. So your plans after finishing at Marcus Oldham, is that a 12-month course? So agribusiness is two years. You can oh, get, wow. You can do um, one year and get a diploma or you can do two and get a bachelor. Mm-hmm. It's just I was planning on doing the one just because I'm still quite involved in the family business and I have, you know, things going on at home. But it's also pretty good to stay for the second year to delve more in depth to things as well as what you've learned on the first year. So I'm still undecided if I'm going to stay for the second year or not at this stage. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm sure you're making lots of really good connections there. Oh, it's unreal because everyone here has worked and everyone has the same mindset and you know, it's, it's an expensive education, but it's that for a reason. Their focus is quality and yeah. the co- the contacts you make out of it is it's, it's unreal. So you're there to learn a little bit more about the business side of things for your family business, which is Catlock Goats. Can you tell us about this company and how it came to be? Yeah. So when I got home, well, last year was... 2021. So when I got home at the end of 2020, like the goat, the goat market had been going. Like goats have been around forever, but the market really, really started to pick up, and people, you know, were coming out of droughts. Exclusion fences are being put up, and I think people they wanted to switch sort of their livestock enterprise, or they they wanted to have a different um, source of income. So people have started really looking at goats and really taking them seriously, I think that's that's a big thing. And at the end of the year, Dad was like, because we'd we'd been running goats since 2016 and we'd introduced a boar goat, which is their cross-breeding meat goat over our rangeland dose, mm-hmm. we'd introduced them a couple of years beforehand and we'd, you know, we'd been getting a lot of good crosses. We'd, you know, we'd been going really well with slaughter and pricing and everything. So Dad was like, maybe we should just you know, do a few commercial paddock sales on the side with bull bucks. And he's like, you know, would you be interested in, in doing that and handling the sales side of things? And I, I remember Dad, Dad was, we were talking about the other day and he said, oh, you, you know what you said to me? He said, oh, I suppose I could step up. And then pretty much from there I have just, I went gung-ho last year. I became very passionate about him. I love the animals and then I developed our Facebook page. I introduced to our operation scanning, morphology testing, which is like semen testing of the bucks. We're going to be DNAing this year to get pedigrees and it's just, it's it's a lot more, I don't know how you say it, trustworthy because mm-hmm. DNA actually proves that's a mother and father. There's no mixing up of genetics or anything. Wow. Well, yeah, and I'm still learning, Karen. Like the genetic yeah. side of things, God, it's it's never ending. It's it's you you want to try and get the best out of your herd, but you want to keep it simple because at the end of the day, we're still a very commercially orientated operation, and we're not mm-hmm. there to go and win shows. That's not our that's not our thing. Mm-hmm. We want to go and breed for us. You know, our family's long term goal is to breed the ultimate meat crossing 
Western bread goat and, and we see a real opportunity and we see having the rangeland as the base and then introducing boar genetics and also I've had a lot to do with contender meat goats which is down from New South Wales. Ian Manwaring, he's taught me quite a lot and I think what they've done with their goat breeding and introducing genetics from America as well has been um, quite impressive. So it's just trying to juggle all them and find the ultimate product, I suppose. So, yeah. And so for novices like me, how long would a process like this take? Karen, I, <laughs> years, I reckon. Yeah. Just because I'm still learning, we're still learning, we're still trying to get our infrastructure right. You know, we've just ordered a new set of yards, a, a handler, an auto drafter, and being able to understand what each animal produces and what they produce, like really knowing your animals. So then you can know, well, this goat throws this, well, I'll put this buck over her because I know the pedigrees on each side. I think that's the biggest thing I've learnt because Mm. we did an AI program last year with a lady named Heather Osborne who's actually down in Victoria, and she's taught me quite a lot of just really understanding your animals and knowing what they throw is, yeah, quite key. Hopefully in five years' time we'll have a bit, like five to three years, we'll have a lot more of a solider product. So it's a real long-term project. I think so, yeah. Livestock, it's you don't just decide one year you're going to be a stud and breed, breed the best and then hope the next year that, you know, I mm. think sometimes I get a bit caught up in that just because I'm young. I, I sometimes look at our stock and think, oh, I, you know, but I've got to understand that it's a long-term goal and it's a long-term thing and, you know, we're just starting yeah. out. So, yeah. yeah. So I love your Facebook page because it gives a real refreshing insight into ag life or stud life what are the ideas behind that I think Karen like have you had do you know much about the goat industry or anything like that absolutely nothing yeah okay it's I think people like I sort of said before they hadn't really taken the industry quite seriously they were always frowned upon by sheep producers at times like it was just a feral muster that happened once a year and it was a bit of coin in the bank um might go and support your Australia Day at Mooloola Bar or something but I think for us I said we need to start this we need to start promoting that well this is actually what you can do with goats and this is a very serious side of looking at it and I'd you know I'd often see people in town and I'd be like oh yeah you know they're like what are you up to I'm like oh we're semen testing goats, so we're scanning goats, and they'd be like, "What are you? What are you doing that for? They're fertile, because no one's really, really started to measure their activities and their rates. N- none of that's happened. It's such a green industry, and I think by developing the page and seeing those photos and people being like, "Oh wow, this is an end product. If you actually put time and effort into your genetics, and then we can tell them like what we're getting regarding price wise with our slaughter animals and our weights, and then people." start weighing up, you know, with their operations and their enterprises, sort of seeing that they're a very low-maintenance animal and they're very, very cost-effective, I believe, and I think the page is just, it's the quality and it's showing people a real insight into what we do. It definitely does do that and I guess what you're saying is that it's a really strategic communication tool long-term. Again, you are starting to change people's perceptions of the goat. But, yeah, it's... 
yeah, it's been a great tool. Yeah, I think it's unreal. It's, it's social media and marketing, well, that's what I want to learn a bit more as well, really trying to develop your own brand. Yeah, it's a big learning curve. So what you're doing with your goats is really first of its kind in Australia. Oh, no, there's heaps of people doing what we're doing and doing it better than us as well. But, yeah, I think we're definitely more at the forefront of the industry. Like, we, you know, we're so lucky that we do have a boar herd. At the moment, like, people are... Prices last year were just insane and at the moment the auctions plus market has dropped back a bit. It's a bit hit and miss at the moment but anything that seems to have quite a lot of boar content in it, people are really chasing and it's so hard because whatever you're buying is the second choice of animal from those producers who are selling so they're not the best So it's and everyone wants to get the boars because they know that if they can breed them, they're not having to buy the bucks because last year, I mean, the buck went for 21 grand, which is just insane. Wow. Yeah, like it's prices are just, it's unreal and, and it's making it hard for people who have, you know, big numbers like us commercially. They can't just go and buy 20 or 40 bucks for 1,500 or two grand each. It's, it's, you know, it's a fair price whack. So yeah. I think for us as well, by having those paddock sales, it's really and just keeping it commercially orientated has really been a big asset to us as well. So you've spoken previously about some of the challenges of being a young woman in a male-dominated industry. Can you outline a few of those for us now? Since being a young person, I've always believed in quality. And I think especially working up north, like at some places, it'd be like, oh, you know, boys do this, girls do this. And it and as well, I wasn't a very confident person when I first went up and I wouldn't just step in and be like, no, I'll do that. Like I, I'd sort of struggle. I definitely found that probably in my first year I really lacked a lot of confidence and to fight for, you know, what I believed in and to step in and just get the job done. But then the second people who I worked for, Drew and Annie Haken, Kabaru Brahmins, they were, they completely backed me and they, you know, it never worried them, you know, what gender I was. Drew would make you do anything, whether it was, you know, being on the loader or the grader for the day or building yards or putting troughs in like he, you know, it really gave me a lot of confidence. And then by that year, my second year, he actually put me in a leadership role, which, you know, definitely being in control of men at times they do question you a little bit I think and sometimes I'd think oh am I am I being too hard on them am I you sort of second guess yourself but you know knowing what I know now I should have just stuck to my guns and be like no it's fine we, we can do this together and I think really also creating that atmosphere as, as a team which Drew and Annie were very very strong on so I, I owe a lot to them and I think yeah it's just you're always gonna have to work a bit harder like it's just a, it's just a thing you've just got to deal with but you know we haven't had to do the hard slog either a lot of women back in the feminist movement they were they were the real influences yeah I, I mean you know I think you'd understand it as well you've just I mean when we visited on tour a couple of weeks ago every person every operation we went to there was no female speakers and I just thought oh you know we really need to try and yeah just keep it positive and keep us all you know uplifting I think and have some role models that you can maybe identify. That's something that's coming through as you speak. You've had amazing people kind of 
show you the ropes and give you opportunities. And if you're not seeing yourself up there, it's really hard to know what to model yourself to be. Yeah, no, exactly. You you know, I was just so lucky that Drew and Annie, they really believed in me and they backed me. And, you know, my parents are very good as well. Dad's never worried, you know. He's taught me lots of things and mum and, you know, I think in the district as well, the district, sometimes I think they think that, you know, women should do this and men should do this, but, you know, it's always just challenging them and putting your hand up and saying, no, I can do that, it's all right. You get nervous, but you've just got to do it and hide your nerves and hope pull through, I think. Yeah. So what keeps you motivated to do what you do? Oh, I like to prove people wrong. Yeah, you know, I've always liked to work hard and be physical and feel like at the end of the day I've earned my meal. And I just want to be the best at what I'm doing. I think it's just, I don't know, it's pretty, I don't try to overthink it. I think it's just, I love what I do. I want I want a product I want to get to. I, I love livestock, especially farming's not as much of an interest to me in our operation, but I love livestock and I love animals and you know, seeing your efforts and your thinking of crossing animals and seeing that end product is, it's its really special to me. And, yeah, I think just working in a team and seeing that, you know, you've done that as a team and you've been the leader is, is also pretty, pretty special. And I think seeing my dad, he's a really good role model to me. You know, he's, at times I can get a bit, probably a bit strong and he, just being able to learn off him and be like him, you know, has a lot of respect and I, you know, try to aim and push myself to be a bit more like that, I think. So, yeah. So what do you say to those people who might criticise you or ask why are you spending this much time on it or, you know, maybe you're too focused on one thing? How do you process those comments? Probably just ignore them, Karen, you know. <laughs> If they're going to think of life like that, well, they're probably not worth hanging around, you know. Especially for me, like being at college, I'm, you know, a bit older and not as much as a social probably person. I'm trying to focus on work probably a little bit more because I've got to work to understand things a bit harder for me. And then I'm also, you know, doing stuff for the family business as well on top of that. And, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go and hang around people that, to me, aren't going to be positive because I've worked with people who are not positive and it brings you down and that's just not it's not what it's about because <laughs> otherwise you get down and you become someone you don't want to become, I think. Yeah. And if the people, if people want to have that view, that's fine, but they're obviously behind the times and times are moving ahead and future's great and that's what we're all here for, I think. So speaking of the future, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Well, you know, definitely at this stage I want to be part of the family business, you know, especially with the goat operation. I'm, you know, pretty excited in the industry and want to send a lot of benchmarks. I'd love to be able to go overseas for a year and just go and visit different livestock operations and work and just see different cultures. But at the end of the day, finish my course, hopefully go overseas for a year and I think really come back to the family business and work as a team together and keep building on what we're building and hopefully we can expand. And, yeah, I think that's that's sort of my end goal at the moment to really also breed that, that Western meat-producing goat. I think that's that's a big goal of ours to achieve. It's amazing. 
So what would you say to any other women starting out in ag with big ideas? Oh, I think just go for it. And, you know, at times I'd think, oh, I'm not sure if I can do this. Am I biking down the wrong tree? You know, you're always, I, I always self-doubt myself a lot. I don't know, just hook in and have a go and find someone who's going to back you and believe in you and just phone. Like last year, I just phoned and phoned and phoned people and just having everyone's bit of advice or information, you create your own opinion. And, yeah, it's very valuing just being able to push yourself and go and talk to people and making connections I think is, is, a, is a massive is a massive thing, I think. But yeah, don't 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 let the haters hate. Just keep moving on, I think. Emily, that's excellent. I've learned a lot about goats and your resilience and just I think the processes behind livestock. I just I hadn't thought about it too much. So really interesting to hear all that detail and the layers of processing that you need to go through to get a product that you are ultimately happy with at the end. Oh, no, thanks, Karen. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity and thinking I was good enough to interview. So, yeah. (laughs) We heard, (laughs) we've been doing a bit of work out at St George and we heard about you that way and I can't remember who, who, but it was just a lot of excitement about your product and what you're doing and I think a lot of pride as well that, you're out there as this young person really making a go for it and coming up with new ideas and new ways of doing something. And that was really clear in the Facebook page, which is so beautiful. Like the images and the comments are just lovely to read and and get that insight of what it's like. Yeah. Well, thank you. No, I think I suppose passions are just a pretty big driver when we went on tour we looked at each operation we visited to and we people you know we'd be asked the question what's driving their you know business or operation and a few of the key things I picked up was passion and quality and I think mm. those are two things that I really strive hopefully to do and keep doing and keeps me going. Well it's coming through in everything you say so all the best for your studies and for your stud. I, I can't wait to read more about it. With your work um, out in St George, what, what, what are your, some of your focuses you guys have been sort of focusing on more? Yeah, sure. So we got a grant from the Department of Agriculture, Water and Environment and it, it was because <clears throat> our focus is research. We wanted to get a little bit more information about how women are working out there and how they, like yourself, having these amazing ideas for either on-farm or stud income but also some ideas for off-farm income and we became aware of that because of the drought and the need to kind of diversify family income streams. So we found some really interesting stories out there but part of the grant that we got was also that we would identify areas of business skills that women might feel that they would benefit from having. So we've been going out there and working with Care Ballon to do a series of workshops and it's stuff like social media skills, entrepreneurship, how to turn an idea into a reality, creative thinking. So that level of business know-how, I suppose, that we hope is just enough to get some of the ideas into an actual 
product or service. Yeah. Oh, no, that's unreal. It's, yeah, it's good to see it all happening. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you get on with your day and I'll be in touch again via email just to let you know where things are at. Yeah, righto. Thank you very much, Karen. Thanks, Emily. Great to meet you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Rural Women's Leadership podcast series. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd be delighted if you would take a couple of minutes to rate and review our podcast on your chosen listening platform. If you'd like to learn more about this series or get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so via our website at www.realruralwomensleadership.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts. Thanks again for listening.